At 4ZZZ we acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast. We pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging of the Turbul and Jagera people. We acknowledge that their sovereignty over this land was never ceded. And we stand in solidarity with them. And good morning, comrades, and welcome to another episode of A Worker's Power. And you're with Bill and Dan. Today on the show, we, we, normally I say we've got plenty of workers' action, but it's been re- really hard for us to find a story. But a story we stories we have found for you, comrades, um, and also an excellent interview that uh, that we've got. Well, I'm hoping it's excellent. Um, it'll be a live interview with. Uh, um, a Jill from the Dare to Struggle Film Festival, and so uh, we'll we'll hear all about that. How uh, that's going on down in Sydney, and how uh, there's a last minute uh, y- how you can participate and you can be a part of it. And um, yes, so uh, we'll talk all about that with Jill in our second hour. And of course, uh, at the end of the show, uh, make sure you stick around for the world famous Scallywag of the Week. Now this week. Dan, we've got one a regular appearance, and uh, I think I think we, yeah. Well, I think that uh, we might have to put them into the Scott Morrison um, where they're they're exempt. They're just too much of a scallywag, too easy. Yeah, and they just they just do it too easily. So make sure you stay tuned for that scallywag. And uh, so first off, we'll, um, we'll, we'll we've got some uh, First Nations workers action, um, and. Uh, and this one, um, you know, it's to, it's to do with uh, you know prisons and the way uh, you know uh, workers in prisons are treated. So uh, yeah, out of sight, out of mind. A row burn inmates remain without air conditioning despite record heat. Advocates fear there will be a death in custody at Roeburn Regional Prison before the Western Australian government commits to installing air conditioner in jail cells. Three months after the nation's second hottest day in recorded history, inmates at Roeburn Regional Prison remain without air conditioning. The Pilbara town reached a record 50.5 degrees. Oh my. That's hot. I always joke around that when Ipswich hits 50, we're moving south. But that is hot. All right, that was on January 14, uh, with justice advocates raising concerns for the well-being of inmates left to swelter through the heat. Since that date, the WA state government has now formally considered the installation of air conditioning in cells. A spokesman for the Department of Justice told NITV News a commissioned... uh, for consideration a report on requirements and indicative costs to install air conditioning across all cells. While a number of effective controls are in place to manage the heat risk at Roburn Regional Prison, the Department of Justice is always working to improve service delivery and operational efficiency. The Aboriginal Legal Service of Western Australia, 
ALSWA, had been advocating for the installation of air conditioning long before January 14. The legal service wrote to the WA Attorney-General, the Minister for Aboriginal Affairs and the Minister for Corrective Services in August of 2021. Four months later, the service sent another letter to the Ministers. Peter Collins, Director of Legal Services at ALSWA, wrote that the Inspector of Custodial Services had continually raised concerns about climate control measures at Roeburn, with the first report issued in 2002. That's 20 years ago, fair dinkum. Um, Over many years, the Inspector has emphasised the seriousness of the health risk associated with inadequate climate control, and we are very concerned about the lack of movement on these recommendations, wrote Mr Collins. In response, Corrective Services Minister Bill Johnson said Roeburn Regional Prison was constructed in 1984. Air conditioning was not the standard in the local community or a feature of most homes. Relative to other forms of temperature control, air conditioning is likely to require extensive retrofitting for efficient operation. The Minister noted that other climate control initiatives were introduced since construction, including six ice machines, two of which have been upgraded, chilled water fountains, shade sails and shade verandas to reduce sunlight exposure to shells and heat-reducing paint. He also noted local solutions included sunscreen. Fair These are prisoners. These are prisoners, including sunscreen, wide brim hats, fridges and freezers, water bottles, electrolyte drinks, and signage. It's got electrolytes. It must be all right. Signage keeps the temperature down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On on the March 14th, Mr Collins responded to the Minister, noting the measures fell woefully short of meaningfully addressing the climate conditions at the prison and that whilst local solutions provide some small comfort for the prisoners who are outside during the day, they will undeniably do nothing to reduce the temperatures within the cells at any time of the day. Three days later, representatives from ALSWA and the department met. The meeting that our ALS had with Johnson demonstrated that he had no interest in the welfare of Aboriginal prisoners in Roeburn Regional Prison, Mr Collins said. He was more focused on issues around the prison officer workforce at the jail. That's reflective in the fact that office spaces and areas occupied by prison officers at Rayburn are all air-conditioned. That gives you the true scope of where the priorities lies. Almost 80% of inmates at Roeburn Regional Prison are Aboriginal people. Mr Collins is concerned the lack of response is the result of an out-of-sight, out-of-mind attitude. They only get away with it with this because the vast majority of prisoners in Roeburn Regional Prison are Aboriginal prisoners. They would not get away with this in a big metropolitan jail where the majority of prisoners were non-Aboriginal, he said. Aboriginal people, particularly those in custody, are not a priority for the government. That is disgusting and disgraceful. In 2008, Ningarinchatara, Elder 
Mr. Ward died in custody during a four-hour journey from Laverton to Kalgoorlie. Mr. Ward was transported in the back of a police van and exposed to temperatures of up to 56 degrees. It is obvious that the government hasn't learned any lessons from the tragic case of Mr. Ward. Mr. Collins said he perished in the back of a prison van where their air conditioning wasn't working and those responsible for his transport knew it. The temperatures that prisoners are experiencing at Roebourne Regional Prison is similar to the temperature which would have been present at the time of Mr. Ward's death. Again, the lessons of history seem to be lost on the government. Mm. Yeah, I, 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 I like how they're sorry about my stuttering there, but um, I, I quite like how um, our part in this out out of mind, out of sight, not here on workers' power. No, it's bring it to the fore. That's it, right? Bring bring it out. Let's talk about it. And now these people are workers too. I don't care what anyone says; they're still workers. And uh, um, you know, uh, jail. You know, if you do believe in it, it should be about rehabilitation, not uh, not locking people up in saunas and uh, and and making them suffer. Um, yes, uh, it, uh, it's uh, they they can do it all in all the schools in Queensland. The the um, Queensland government are all on the bandwagon. How they've they've got all uh, air conditioning in all schools now. They're quite proud of that. That and they haven't got all the solar cells to to, to power them yet. But uh, they're they're working on that. And surely, surely, with uh, some of the um, uh, area that uh, some prisons occupy, it'd be right for uh, solar production and um, powering these air conditions you, you know to th- th- this isn't about comfort this is about livability hmm. all right so uh, moving on to uh, workers action and i've got to, uh, a quick one just to, to have a chat about um mainly because i i, I really like the way that uh, the union is is trying to stand up for for more than cpi or otherwise workers are going backwards so the service un- services union have analyzed the wit sunday regional council offer from all angles and there is simply no valid reason for the council to provide a lower increase to workers than to any other group of employees a view shared by the full bench of the Queensland Industrial Relations Commission in relation to the Mackay Regional Council a month ago. The current offer from Council is as follows. So they've got um, year, year 1, Stream A, 2.5. Uh, streams B or C is 2.5% or $35. Uh, year 2, Stream A, 2.5%. Stream B, 2.5%. In year three, uh, stream A, 2.75%, and streams B and C, 2.75%. So the TSU has said this offer falls well short of the current and projected CPI increases and a flat dollar increase to stream B and C employees would mean an unequal, unfair pay increase in year one. Despite the TSU pressing for a better and fairer offer, including a CPI safety net, the council is standing its ground. Right. So, um, yeah, yeah, good on the, um, the, the, the TSU. I just wanted to, to highlight how um, some bosses are, are offering, um, are making offers that are less than CPI. 
Hence, workers were going backwards. You know, we are. We're going. If you're, if you're, if you're yeah, only getting, thing. yeah, if you're only getting two point five percent, you're going backwards. And 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 we all know the cost of living uh, is is going through the roof. And and then um, uh, you know, COVID and 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 uh, and the recent floods. The the capital that hasn't escaped the capitalists, and they've upped the prices of everything. And they never let a cr- good crisis go to waste, do they? That's how it survives now. Yeah, that's right. You know, from crisis to crisis. And so uh, any, anything less than CPI um, is going backwards. So now uh, we, we've got... Uh, I, there's there's um, some good elements to this. Your boss is being held to account, but I will put a, a bit of a, um, a, a, a trigger warning here. There's... Um, um, there, there, there's an incident um, uh, uh, that, that hurt a worker, so um, I'll put that claimer in. So, uh, get this: a boss has been jailed after a worker impaled on a bar at a construction site. Yes, uh, a building company has been fined three hundred thousand dollars, and its director sentenced to four months jail after a worker was impaled on an uncapped Rio starter bar. A block-laying business, Illawarra Enterprises, Queensland Proprietary Limited, and director Michael Peter Walsh both pleaded not guilty. They were sentenced in the Brisbane District Court recently under Queensland's Work, Health and Safety Act for failing to comply with their safety duties and without reasonable excuse engaged in conduct that exposed individuals to risk of death or serious injury and was reckless as to, as to the risk to the individual. The incident occurred in 2018 at a house construction site at Barrel where the company was building block retaining walls. The court heard Walsh had previously been warned of the danger of a deep trench on the site and the vertical uncapped Rio starter bar. A workplace health and safety Queensland investigation found Walsh took no action and disregarded the workers' concerns. Just minutes later, another worker was travelling up the ramp, fell into the trench and was impaled on the bar. Emergency services were called and he was transported to hospital where the bar had to be surgically removed. In sentencing, Judge Paul Smith referred to the worker having suffered significant pain and suffering in horrific circumstances by being impaled on the vertical steel bar, observing that thankfully he had not sustained a permanent injury. Thankfully. It's just a bit distressing even that word impale, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, look, uh, you know, the, the, these laws are there for a reason, and um, this is that reason. Especially when you consider the line, the court heard Walsh had previously been warned of the danger uh, of a deep trench on site and the vertical uncapped Rio starter bar. So he'd been warned. And it's basic safety 101 on a construction site is put caps on those things. Yes, it re- really, really is, you know. So for those that don't know, um, when, when you've got the um, steel... Uh, uh, re- uh, Rio stands for... It's, it's reinforce... It's reinforcement. Re- reinforcement steel, and um, you'll see. You'll see. Sometimes it'll poke up through the bricks because they're going to link it to the bottom level to the to the above level. And what they need to do is put a put a. Uh, they're normally fluoro, aren't they? Those caps. Yeah. Yeah, like a fluoro color plastic thing. Yeah. It'll probably cost them five bloody cents. Yeah. You know. Um, so uh, you know, and and it can can avert things like this, you know, just that simple little bit of plastic, 
um, you know, could have, could have saved this worker, you know, a, a lot of, uh, could have saved them, you know, a significant amount of their injury, you know. So with impalings, it's quite sensitive with, with the way that it's got to be done because if you pull it out on scene or if you pull them off... That's that's when someone dies. So they got to basically take take the Rio with them to the hospital and pull it out when they get there. But uh, um, that worker would have and their family would have went through a lot of dis- d- distress during that time, which could have been avoided, as I said, by a five cent piece of plastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know. Um, yeah, too right. That worker should 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 be spending some time. That uh, not worker. That boss should be spending some time in jail um, as as uh, as a punishment to them and a warning to others. Okay, you know, like uh, you know, much rather have these dirty bosses in there than than, than, than someone who's been, you know, pulled up for a. For, for a little bit of pot or something like that, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we want these. These are the type of people we want in jails, not workers. Right. Now we're going to, to move along and uh, we're going to be talking about an exciting new film festival um, called the Dare to Struggle Film Festival. Now I've got uh, Jill, one of the organisers on the line, Jill. Are you there, Jill? I am, Bill. Thank you for for coming on the show and uh, and chatting with us a, a, about this uh, festival. Because I so I think to to to, to help us under understand uh, uh, what what it's about. H- how how did the uh, festival come come to be? Well, it was um, in twenty twenty. Um, very important sort of figure, historical figure in the trade union movement down here. Jack Mundy passed away after um, reaching ninety years, and. Um, myself and my partner were and are filmmakers. Um, we do a lot of protests and demonstrations and things like that. And over the decades, we had actually interviewed Jack a number of times. We'd um, our group had filmed, you know, public meetings and so on. And but we never had the time to do anything. So on Jack's passing, we put all that footage together and came up with a film. And involving people like his uh, partner Judy Mundy, uh, Lee Rhiannon from the Greens. Um, we came up with this idea of running a Dare to Struggle Film Festival because we felt that the filmmakers just don't have the confidence anymore to make these sorts of films because they're either vilified, they won't get a job, you know, they're lefties and all that sort of stuff. So we wanted to create a space which would allow people or try to give confidence to filmmakers, including emerging filmmakers, people who can just use their mobile phone, um, to have a space where they could have an audience to to, um, uh, have their films shown and win some prizes. So that that was the background to how the festival started. All right, and then you, of course, uh, all, all good ideas need need uh, organising. So you went about uh, o- organising a, a, a festival, and 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 did you get lots of interest to begin with? Well, so we then um, started to approach people, and we we felt it should be union based. Given you know Jack Mundy, he not only um, was um, in the leadership of the BLF in the days where they fought for better pay and if you can remember the building conditions or construction conditions in those days safety was horrendous um jack and the team in the blf fought for better paying conditions but they also 
were approached by a number of community groups who were fighting struggles in their own backyards or, you know, their own struggles and said, you know, we need support from the union movement. And in this case, the first case was the Hunters Hill uh, women, fairly middle-class women, who were trying to save the last remnant of bushland on the harbour. And they went to the union. The union asked the members, um, what did they think? The members said, hmm, that's interesting. And um, they went ahead and it was the first green band in New South Wales. And we all, you know, it's quite historic, um, the movement of green bands that, that went on at the time. So um, we, we approached Paul McClear from the MUA and he came on board and... There was a number of other people who were interested and we got a group together and then we started to find we needed money. So the union movement has very generously supported the festival with good money. We're offering, you know, the first prize, $5,000. There's a total prize pool of $13,500. So that's all come mainly from the union. We did do fundraising to crowdfunding and so on, but it has been union-backed. Um, so... We're really happy about that. So then the, the festival started. We launched it March last year, and we originally were going to hold it last November. But because of all the COVID lockdowns and everything, it got moved to now, which is this coming weekend, April 22 and 23. So, no, it's been a great um, idea. To be honest, we got um, lots of films entered. We were particularly offering emerging filmmakers, people who use their mobile phone, because we all know what mobile phones can do these days. And there are so many good instances where mobile phones have captured something bad going on. You know, we all think of the George Floyd, um, I think the Rodney King, which was probably a decade ago, which was captured on mobile phones. So, you know, there are things that, that, that people can capture at work, um, you know, a, a strike break, oh, so these days not many strikes break out, but, you know, the action by, um, is taken by workers that can be filmed and documented. So we got lots and lots of films. We were very happy. Our first first uh, film festival that we... There are people out there who are making good films, good struggle story films, and they're in the festival. And, um, and, and on those... Uh, you, you, uh, uh, people who those filmmakers uh, I, I would envisage that uh, it's come from a diverse range of workers oh absolutely and not just workers we were putting out um that it could cover any area of struggle you know disability environment um particularly climate change and so on but also yeah worker struggles and look we've got films from wa uh, from the northwest of WA, from a worker up there who made his own film on the mobile phone. We've got uh, Perth uh, sent in three worker films of things that they'd filmed. Um, we got them all around, from all around the country and good environment films. There's definitely a good, you know, there's a lot of action going around climate change and so on. So um, we got a couple from Brisbane, uh, uh, some around the refugee issue, which are, uh, quite good. We've got a number of animations. One in particular shows uh, you know, Scott Morrison being drowned with a lump of coal in one hand and a book in the other. Um, I like yeah. the sound of that. <laughs> right. So, look, they, they um, were quite a range of films. A lot of social issues, a lot of First Nations uh, films um, were entered. And also the crossover. So, you know, like there was a film they entered which was called... Um, climate change a workers issue and looked at the transition that should be happening for workers from coal mining 
uh, or gas mining, which are the two areas that need to close down, into renewables. And some of the unions are thinking about that. Some of the more progressive unions are thinking about their workers, knowing that climate change is there, knowing they're going to have to change, um, things are going to change for their workers. But rather than just, like, what, what the system, the bosses do is chuck workers out, oh, you're sacked, you know, or you're redundant or whatever, and look, go find another job if you can. Um, this is about transitioning workers who have good-paying jobs into other good-paying jobs. And if it needs more training more training you know those sorts of things really good solutions that we know the bosses don't want Sounds good. That's right up our alley here at Workers' Power. And, and see, see we, we're very uh, broad on our definition of the term a worker and we think that yeah. everyone is, who's a part of the working class is a worker yeah you know, so I, I i do use that word word very broadly but it's a it's a class thing and the, the, this sounds like uh um you're along the same line so so uh, uh, the the um there's the festival uh, is being held over two nights down in new south wales can you can you tell us a little bit about those events all right, so we're having the opening night on friday and actually it's in the afternoon 5 p.m it starts um it is in Sydney. Uh, the opening night is going to feature majority of the union or worker films that were entered. So we kind of, because we were union sponsored with money and so on, we felt we wanted to, you know, tr- make tribute to that. We, we're part of wanting to grow the union movement and also the image of, well, not the images, but, ha- you know, people in the, um, the media puts out such bad press about the unions that we really need our own media that's saying, no, 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 that's, that's the other side. We really, um, we, um, it's anyway, so the, the Friday night is a number of trade union films um, there. There'll be one prize, and it's the popular prize. So anyone who comes along will be getting to vote for the film that they like the most on the night. Um, that starts at 5 p.m. And the Saturday, Saturday afternoon, there's a couple of screenings. We wanted to give filmmakers the opportunity to have their films screened. So we scheduled a couple of extra in the afternoon for, for emerging filmmakers and also for other filmmakers to have their films screened. But the big night is Saturday night, which starts at 6.30pm and is at the Teach- New South Wales Teachers Fed. Um, we'll be featuring the best of all the films and there will be six prizes awarded on the night. So that's um, where it'll be in terms of um, being. Now, all the sessions, all four sessions from the Friday night at 5 o'clock, which is actually at the uh, Trade Hall in Goulburn Street uh, in Sydney, um, to the Saturday afternoon class, Saturday afternoon sessions and the evening session all be streamed. It looks like it's going to be Facebook Live. Um, If people want to know, they can email um, our email address, dtsfilmfestival at gmail.com. Um, but all the program um, and uh, information about where it is and so on is on our website, which is Dare to Struggle Film Festival Fantastic, and 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 uh, to to view to view that on uh, whichever streaming platform you use, it's going to be free for workers to view. Uh, it's free entry into the festival, and it's free. Uh, to stream so yes we we want to you know in order to encourage people to do it it i think charging is like the capital system is charged for everything you know everything has to be paid for well that's not the way it used to be and 
um, and you could go get a drink of water at places um, now. You have to buy a bottle. It costs money. So, um, yeah, it's free. All the tickets, all the sessions are free. And um, and I, the tickets are being... Uh, um, a lot of bookings have come in for the tickets uh, already. And we've also got a number of groups who are getting a group together in their state. So RAFU, the Retail and uh, Workers Union, RAFU in Melbourne are getting a group together um, and they're going to watch it all together. Um, I believe up there in Brisbane there's going to be a group as well that get together and stream it. So we've got a few others around the country, like in West Australia, because we've got, you know, we've got half a dozen films from WA, so um, there's groups over there as well. Yes, so I'm organising um, the, the the one for for retail and fast food workers union and, and getting together and and uh, we'll, we'll be getting together at, at Common House. Uh, if if any uh, comrades out there who know me, I want to get in touch. I'll give you uh, the details. You can do that through our Facebook page or or uh, or, or the like, and and they can join uh, uh, Rafu members as uh, we uh, watch the festival on Friday afternoon. Um, so yeah, yeah, uh, that's for listeners out there who want to be a part of it Friday afternoon. Uh, get in touch with myself, and uh, I can provide more details. But it sounds r- like a bit of fun, you know. Uh, I heard about that the, our uh, Melbourne comrades were, were were planning something, so I thought, oh well, I've got uh, I've got a big screen up here. I can I can utilise. Hopefully, I'm not very good on the tech. On the, one of our younger members should be able to help me out with that. But uh, we'll have uh, popcorn and drinks, and uh, and um, we'll, we'll be watching the uh, Friday afternoon event. Well, sounds good. All right. Well, so you've already mentioned, you, but I will mention it again. You can, listeners can find out more details at a dare to struggle film festival dot net dot au that's dare to struggle film festival dot net dot au head on there you can find out heaps more details is um is there anything what's exciting you most about the festival um i I think it was you know we didn't know how, how many people would respond and have films being made because as i said one of the reasons we set the festival up was because a lot of filmmakers and we're filmmakers ourselves so we know a lot don't have the confidence to make these sorts of films so we didn't know how many were out there or how many people would make films and um, i'll tell you a story we were contacted by uh, a local uh, professional filmmaker who said i'd love to make a film about someone but i don't i don't know anyone i i don't have any contacts well, of course, they're pretty well connected and we've made some films down in Lakemba. And we had a friend down there, Sajita, who is a Rohingya um, asylum seeker, who come to Australia and has been very uh, active here advocating for her community and, and, and uh, on their rights as refugees and so on. So we, we joined them up together, we, we introduced them and um, they made a film. They put it in the festival and it's really good. So that sort of thing, you know, um, is really what we wanted, is that people would reach out to other people, make the connections, make networks, and have the confidence to make good, progressive films about social justice or workers' struggles, whatever's going on in their community. So, so not only are you, you, you the, the, you're motivating films uh, to to be made and uh, and about and about struggle, 
but also you're creating community at the same time. Yeah, we'd like to. That was one incident. We we hope over the years, if if the festival continues, that we network people, filmmakers, create a film uh, makers network. So we were offering workshops and training workshops in mobile phone and editing. We did a number of them in Sydney. We had plans to go to Brisbane, Perth, and a whole range of places to run all free of charge, um, just to encourage people and give them the skills to make those. Um, films but also to network among them so we think we've made a small start in that it's not very big yet but if the film festival goes on over the years we're hoping that will be a big growth area the networking of filmmakers the confidence that they get from uh, seeing other films that are made i don't know about struggle um and so on and make their careers on it um and thumb up the the capitalist system you know? yeah, the media yeah. in the capitalist system is so bad that we do need our own media we sure do we sure do and that's again you know, I'm trying to create that here or we are trying to create that here on uh, on 4 Triple Z with workers power um, you know we're very uh, biased towards the uh, struggles of workers so it's uh, and um, we're, we, we, we love to promote art versus activism or what we call here on our show punks versus politics and um, you, you're, yeah, the, the uh, Dare to Struggle Film Festival has got art versus activism in spades. So um, thank you for, for, for all your work uh, bringing, bringing this all together. Um, I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to um, seeing some of these films from, um, from, from young workers and, and, and the like. And uh, um, so, yeah, thank you for coming on the show. Is there anything that, that we've missed that you'd like to talk about? No, I think we've covered it <laughs> well, well, pretty well. Well, well, th- thank you, thank you, Jill, for coming on on the show, and 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 thank you for 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 taking my call on a public holiday yesterday, and and um, helping me out to, with organising the uh, the Mianjin, um, uh screening up here uh, for Rafu uh, and supporters members. So uh, thank you very much for your help in all of this, and um, yeah, look forward to this weekend. Great, and thanks, Bill, for inviting me. We're, we're near the end of another show and of course we all know that that means that it's um, Scallywag of the Week time. Now let me have a look here, you know. So, now... Uh, We'll discuss the the merit of this scallywag afterwards. But uh, Dan, can you can you um, talk us through the uh, the, the the story? Oh, certainly. Uh, well, unloading baggage, uh, well unloaded baggage and long queues affected travellers across the country last week. Unions have claimed that in Brisbane, so few service workers were available that female cleaners were sent in to clean the male toilets while travellers were still using them, and male cleaners into bathrooms with female patrons. The pressures of the holiday period, COVID isolation orders, and a workforce cut and outsourced during the pandemic has led to chaotic scenes at airports across the country, just as they recorded hundreds of thousands of travellers in what would be their busiest periods since before the pandemic. In Melbourne, baggage handlers working on Qantas flights but employed by international company Swissport, part of a controversial and legally contentious outsourcing decision, have been so short-staffed that some planes have been forced to leave without passengers' luggage loaded onto the flight. At other instances in recent days, flights have been left with half of the checked-in luggage which allowed 
allowed the flights to depart with less delay. Irate passengers who appeared to be on flights afflicted by shortages of baggage handlers have been told they will receive their luggage in coming days. Transport Workers Union's National Secretary Michael Caine held a press conference with outsourced Qantas workers at Sydney Airport on Thursday morning and linked the decision to outsource 2,000 baggage handling roles with the catastrophic scenes at airports. Those 2,000 workers are ready, willing and able to come back to work, but Qantas is not putting them back on, and now we're seeing this panicked response, Kane told ABC. Air transport service staff, including security personnel at airports, are now recognised as critical workers in New South Wales and Victoria, which means they're exempt from the requirement to isolate for seven days if they're a close contact of a case, provided they are symptom-free. However, the relaxation of the isolation rule has not erased all issues. At times, only a fraction of the security checkpoint lanes have been open. At Brisbane Airport, the United Workers' Union said that so few cleaning staff were available that SecureCorp, the company that contracted by the airport, was asking female cleaners to clean male bathrooms without closing them to travellers. For shame. UWU Property Services Coordinator Damien Davey said female members asked to clean bail bathrooms in the past had reported assault and said nobody should be abused or made to feel, uh, feel unsafe at work ever. If Secure Corp are unable to roster on enough workers to undertake their work safely, then the toilets should be closed. If Brisbane Airport doesn't like toilets being closed, well, they need to take that up with the contractor, not the force people put not force people to put their safety at risk, he said. As air travel returns to where it once was and workers are forced to work around increased passengers, it is only a matter of time before the abuse and inappropriate comments become something much worse, Davy said. Right, and so that leads us to our scallywag of the week and two uh, regular this uh, scallywag has won the award and it's Alan Joyce of Qantas yet again. Now, the 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 with this scallywag, he's that good. He's, he's nearly up there with um with Scott Morrison. So we'll, we'll have well, to adding him to the list. I we'll, think we'll, we'll have to. It's too y- easy. Okay, we'll, we'll we'll definitely have to bring that up at the next workers' power <laughs> meeting and uh, discuss uh, putting Alan Joyce uh, um, uh, as uh, as exempt. Uh, from the the scallywag of the week, he, he's on track to win it hands down. I think he won it last year or or, or, or the year before. Hey, and look, we've just got a subscriber. Thank you very much to to that person for subscribing to Four Triple Z. It's fantastic. Uh, but back to um, Alan Joyce and his, his scallywaggery. Yeah, he's just just been too good. And 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 look. Uh, um, with Qantas, he, he, he's just never let a good crisis go to waste, has he? He's um, it's terrible. Yeah, he's like the the, the capitalist pinup boy at, uh, at the moment, and uh, um, yeah, he's doing everything he can for for his shareholders and uh, and and nothing for the workers or the public. You know, the the public. Uh, um, so, uh, not getting their luggage, having to wait forever. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, more on that subscriber, Ross from Karina Heights. Thank you for becoming a Four Triple Z supporter. It's a uh, wonderful welcome, and I hope you uh, feel that warm inner glow that comes with being a Four Triple Z subscriber. Okay, yeah. Enough of Alan Joyce, and uh, you know, I think I think we'll we'll we'll, we'll at least. 
will at least make it, um, you know, at least another two months before he can 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 win the award again. So uh, um, hopefully. Uh, but the thing is, so good, you know. We want to report the plight of Qantas workers, and um, we will continue to report, but not in the uh, guise of Scallywag of the Week. Um, yes, yeah, so uh, that's that's our show. Uh, ended up, even though it was a really quiet um, news cycle in in, in Union News, uh, because of not only Easter, but because of the electoral cycle, and uh, um, a lot of uh, Labor affiliated unions are, are focusing in on that. But uh, um, yes, yeah, so we've got a few good stories in there, and uh, fantastic to hear all about that Dare to Struggle Film Festival. Um, I recommend uh, comrades. Uh, Spend a bit of your time this weekend and going and checking out some of these uh, young filmmakers and uh, um, and uh, and what what they're doing to uh, stand up and fight back for our community. So uh, yes, uh, that's it for us. We will uh, see you next Tuesday here on Four Triple Z.